Hey, folks. Producer Riles here. Riley Evans from the Grandstand Central Podcast Network. Hitting you up before uh, this latest episode of Roll the Tape, where we look back at the 2006 NCAA championship game, arguably one of the greatest games in the history of uh, college football. And uh, you're listening to me right now, and not asking Kyle, because your boy done fucked up. I may or may not uh, have a bad habit of watching YouTube videos of first take and undisputed while the guys are recording, and... This time, I actually, you know, forgot to desync my mixing board from the computer. So everything that was playing on the computer also got recorded on the track that the guys recorded talking about the 2006 National Championship game. So unfortunately, there was absolutely nothing I could do editing-wise to take all of those tracks out and still have the episode make sense. So what I'm doing here is espe- is uh, essentially apologizing because your boy screwed up, but we're going to put the episode out as was recorded, except for cutting out uh, a part of the intro because I left something else on top of that, another intro from uh, another show, and it was just like totally didn't make sense at all. But anyways, my bad. Won't happen again. Enjoy the show. I know y'all hated it. I wanted to feel how Afi feels whenever he <laughs> starts doing that. You know what? I, I get it. Like, my heart starts pumping. Like, I get hyped up to do it. Don't worry, y'all. My ears hurt after hearing that, too. But we good. We good. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's cold as fuck. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Um, I hate this weather. Why did our parents bring us to this climate? Shout out to our parents for bringing us to the greatest country in the world, though. It's a great country, but this climate <laughs> is killing me. Like, for real, though, like, baby, it's cold outside. I for, agree, I agree. This morning I went who... out at, like, 6.30 a.m., and it was, like, minus 20 degrees, and I... And it wasn't those normal minus 20 degrees. It was, like, I sat in my car for 20 minutes because my car wouldn't start. The The greatest thing about having an auto starter is that you can warm up your car before you get outside, but it doesn't heat the seats up, and then so your butt gets real cold. I hate being outside in this coldness. It's major first world problems. That is the, the firstest world yeah, problem. Major first world problems here. I just hate the cold. It's really, I'm like bitter about the cold. It makes me depressed and stuff. Should do that six months, six months, six months here, and then six months out of the country. You know, if I had a buttload of money, sure. You know what else makes me depressed, though, Afi? What's up? The end of the college football season. That is a depressing time. There's only 41 games left, and I'm sad. He says 41 as if it's a little. What <laughs> oh, is little? You'll be you'll be watching all 41. Let's be honest here. I will. I legitimately at least be watching 36. Yeah, like minimum probably 36. I'll watch. Like it's sad. Like I'm actually not happy. Like it, every year this happens because once the NFL season's over, there ends up being like one college football game left, sometimes two or three, and then there's just NFL playoffs. And then it's another seven months before we get any football back in our lives. That's very true. So, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, the college football season, uh, if you're used to our shitty segues, you can tell we're talking about something college football today. Um, The college football season ends with a bunch of bowl games. Um, That's where this number 41 comes from. There's 40 bowl games and then the national championship game on January like 8th, I think, this year. Um, But today's episode, me and Afi are going to focus on perhaps the greatest bowl game of them all. The 2006 Rose Bowl between University of Southern California and the University of Texas. 
Um, Afi, were you? Don't I know ask you were where I was. I know don't you weren't a college football fan at this point in your life. I did not watch that game. But did you see the highlights on Sports Center that day? Were you like, oh, this is kind of cool? Like, uh, no, because back then when I'd see college football, I'd just like turn a blind eye. Okay. And just move on. I didn't really care. I thought I thought college football was useless. I thought it was shit. Okay, fair. Because I thought I've like, changed you. Yeah, and I'm happy that I watch it now because boy, oh boy, it's something else. <laughs> yeah. But. But back then, the only college sport that I'd watch was uh, was basketball, simply Just because simply because that, and also simply because I'd follow like the kids from high school when I was younger, and I'd be watching their highlight mixes on YouTube. So then, when I'd get a bit older, I'd be like, "Yo, I used to watch that guy, and now he's like here and killing it and shit." But but yeah, I did see the highlight tape like years later, like when you were in high school and stuff. down the road. Yeah, I did go check it out those long YouTube clips and what a game, what a performance, what a game. Okay. So for those who have never seen the game, it is readily available on YouTube. There are at least 4,000 highlight packages of the game. And there's at least 3 million videos of the final play from the Texas uh, Longhorns. Basically, um, let's set the scene. Why don't we? Um, so just a little like preface is a little preface. I don't want to say preface. Jeez, you can tell it's uh, been a long week. A little preface about the uh, the game. A lot of these wins and stats and Heisman trophies have been vacated from USC uh, due to whatever scandals involving Reggie Bush. Um, however, when we're talking about this, I don't want to be talking about anything at all. Like I have no interest in talking about. You know, the vacate, like, nobody remembers that. Nobody is ever thinking about, like, oh, like, these wins really didn't happen, or Reggie Bush really didn't win the Heisman, because this is just a stupid way to look at stuff. It's like, only, like, bureaucratic stuff. Yeah, like, we exactly. don't, we don't That's a great word for it. It's just bureaucracy and, like, uh, politics. The actual I games really, happened. Really like we it. saw what happened, mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about Before that. Before okay? the last fight. So, but I love him. Man. It is, uh, because, like, January 4th or 5th, I cannot talk before the fight, and Oscar was like, you know, you got to attack the body more. You got to be a little bit more aggressive. you have... The 34-game win streak the of the fight. USC Trojans, led by now current Seahawks coach Pete Carroll, now current Fox analyst Matt Leinert, now I think he's retired Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush is in the league or am I on crack? I don't think he's in the league. Yeah, I don't think he's in the league either. If he's in, like he played for the Lions for like a game last year, right? Yeah, I don't think he's on any active like. Yeah, I don't think he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not retired, retired, but at the moment he's not on any active roster. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, led by these guys, um, and then you have the, the they had just won two national titles. They were going for their third national title in this game, um, and had been blowing away teams for most of their stretch. They had the Heisman winner Matt Leinart from the previous year, who would have been the over uh, like the overwhelming number one pick in the draft beforehand. Uh, who actually went back to USC, which was like a nobody would have ever thought of that. But I mean, now that you've seen Matt Leinart's career, you obviously understand he had the time of his life. Um, the other team is the Texas Longhorns. Texas, maybe the uh, maybe the most rabidly followed college football program of all time, um, led by Vince Young, who was a legend in Houston. Um, Basic, like literally, even today, Vince Young will probably never pay for a meal in this, the 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 city of Houston, at least, if not the state of Texas, because of this game. Um, and they uh, they met in like 
honestly, it, it's either this or the next year's Fiesta Bowl for the greatest college football game of all time. There's two choices for the greatest college football game of all time, and it just has so happened in back-to-back years. Uh, let's run back through the uh, through the seasons for each team real quickly. After you want to take Texas? Sure. Texas had an unbelievable season, obviously. Um, went undefeated. Started off the season as the number two rank in the country. Uh, in the second week, they faced number four, Ohio State, which was, before that USC game, their closest matchup that they've had all season, winning by a... 25 to 22 score. And from there, they just went on to demolish every single opponent that they faced. Uh, ranked teams in there were Colorado, which they beat 42-17. The seven seed Texas Tech, which they... It wasn't even a game. That was an away game, and they just... No, it was a home game, and they made them look bad. 52-17. And, yeah, and then it set up that big showdown versus USC. Um, How about USC? All right. Uh, also something to note is this Texas team on offense was basically Vince Young, Colt McCoy as like a freshman who is sitting there and Jamal Charles as a freshman because like you obviously can see Texas was going back to the championship game a couple years later where they lost to Bama because McCoy got hurt, but like offensively, they weren't great. Um, even defensively, you run through some of the names on this roster, like there's Brian Arakpo, but there's not a whole bunch of like... There's not a whole bunch of, and Michael Huff, but there's not a whole bunch of like guaranteed NFL talent on this Texas roster, which really shows you how much Vince Young played a part in keeping yeah. them just like second place all year long. Yeah, when you have when you have when you have a quarterback that's that much talented and at that level, that's that much better than everybody else that he plays against that can run the football the way he was doing. It's it's tough to contain him for sure. Um, so USC started. They just won back-to-back championship game or back-to-back national championships. They are fucking loaded with NFL talent everywhere. Steve Smith, the Carolina one, not the Carolina one, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens one. Um, Ryan Khalil as the center, um, obviously a quarterback. You, I'm clearly trying to the Wikipedia list. And there's too many names to even point out here. Um, Kyle Williams, Dominique Bird. Their quarterbacks are Matt Liners. Mark Sanchez and John David Booty running backs is the thunder and lightning of Reggie Bush and Lendale White. Like you could go through their offense. It was just like crazy. Their defense, Frosty Rucker, um, Brian Cushing, uh, man, Ray Malaluga. Um, some like, yeah, this team is so stacked. So their season starts off pretty fine um, because they're USC and everything. Obviously, it's, it's kind of like the Golden State Warriors, I guess, where you have trouble focusing um, on the regular season. Although in football, you don't really have as much leeway. Uh, but they start the season number one, and they never, ever relinquish it. The most famous game, actually, is uh, in South Bend, Indiana. They're playing at number nine, Notre Dame, Notre Dame in October. And there's it's called the bush push basically there's like 20 seconds left and they're like third and goal from the two or fourth and goal from the two and reggie bush actually gets stopped but his uh his fullback comes in behind reggie bush and pushes him across the line and i don't know notre dame like argued like oh you can't uh you can't throw your guy because they were like oh he threw him there's no throw it was a straight push um and that was really the toughest test of usc season until they got to the national championship game they beat it okay so texas beat two ranked teams you said yeah yeah usc beat three three usc beat number 24 oregon number 14 arizona state number nine notre dame number 16 fresno number 11 ucla 
Like that was a much impressive campaign. That, yeah, uh, I know. And it's like the Pac-12 has clearly fallen off because that's more ranked teams in the Pac-12 side the last like two years. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where Ohio State finished that season, but when they faced uh, US uh, Texas, they were they were ranked fourth. Right. I mean, Ohio State was still like a fine team that year, it wasn't a? They just weren't up to the task of clearly the top two teams, I guess. Um, so yeah, no- what's amazing is the fact that like. Pre-season rankings had these teams at one and two, and they managed to maintain one and two throughout the whole year and actually meet in the championship game. So that's cool. Okay, I'll side tangent this. One of the big, uh, one of the big like nitpicks, I guess. Of oh, and Ohio State finished the year at number four. By the way, Um, they actually beat number five Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl that year, Um, and they beat Michigan because they always beat Michigan, and it hurts my soul. (laughs) Um, So. People right now, Central Florida, UCF, they've just went undefeated two seasons in a row, right? One of the big problems that people have at the playoff is it takes your preseason rankings into account, which is unfair if you are like ranked lowly to start the year. No matter what you do with your schedule, you're never going to be able to make the playoffs, okay? And it's the only college football or the only college sport, I should say, is that has like not every team has a path to the national championship game is the the division one ncaa football do you think that the rankings the preseason rankings end up determining the postseason rankings more than they should do you think it has no impact like what's your uh, what's your thoughts on this currently yes i don't know i won't speak of past years simply because i don't know how it works i don't know if they always had like the type of committee that they have now no no it was so it was was, there was never a national title game until like the 90s and then they brought in the bcs which was a computer system which took five different ranking systems put them together then it became a little streamlined bcs which was three different ranking systems put together like three computer ranking systems put together and then they got bored with that because there's only two teams and there was there was a year that three teams were undefeated and they had to cut one of them and after that, they decided, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. We're going to try and figure out a way to make a playoff committee. And then that's where it was. That's, yeah, that's the current. Yeah. Afi is a new college football fan who like knows the gravity of some of these moments, but doesn't know the ins and outs of how college football has worked for the last 130 years. It's too many years to remember anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your question, yes, I do believe that preseason rankings at the end of the day end up determining uh, the playoff rankings towards the end of the season simply because... The committee, for them, it's it's hard for them to make changes from what they initially thought. And later in the season, if a lower team ends up beating a top team, yes, the top team may end up dropping a couple points, a couple spots. But at the end of the day, the lower team doesn't get rewarded as much as they should. And my with the team that I'll I'll take an, I'll take for example here is. Uh, UCF. Sure, UCF never plays a top team. Not due to their own fault, really. It's their conference that is not full of top teams, right? Yeah. Uh, but for the past two years, uh, they've been undefeated, I believe. Absolutely. And this year, they reached a high of eight at eight at the end of the season. Yeah. But the thing is, like, p- there's a lot of people out there that do believe that UCF at full strength could compete with the lower lower teams of uh the of the top of the top four 
So, like, let's say... I think UCF would beat Notre Dame, straight up. I, I believe that as well. Uh, I think UCF probably beats LSU this year because LSU is, like, really unmotivated. But, like, I don't like that reasoning because that's the same thing that Auburn said last year, right? Like, the only team that beat Alabama last year was Auburn, and Auburn lost by seven to UCF. And people are, like, discrediting UCF, saying, oh, they had no motivation to play that game. Give them a game that gives some motivation. Exactly. Like, like put, put them up to the test. At least one of these years... I expect something to to change, and let's say UCF does come back next year, and they do pull off this impossible feat of staying undefeated. <laughs> I think they should get a shot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what their schedule looks like next year, nor do I know how good any of like the AAC teams will really be outside us. I think since he's supposed to be like really good next season, but yeah, I, I it's just interesting to see a year where the preseason one and twos are ranked one and two at the end of the year because you never really see that right like yeah. even like in any major sport you never really see like the the best teams going like coast to coast being the best teams if it happens it's more of like anomaly at least in my opinion yeah and and sure sure the teams that are ranked one and two during the preseason might actually be the two best teams at that time but don't be afraid to to make a change if it's necessary, you know what I mean? Hey, you guys are forgetting one thing, though. What are we forgetting? The rankings always forget one team. The best team in the country is Alabama. Second best team in the country, Alabama's backups. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not wrong. Alabama's backups are five-star kids. Like I did not expect that. <laughs> so Alabama, the quick, real quick tangent, we'll get right back on track. Alabama just stole Daxton Hill from uh, Michigan, who's a five-star safety. And they're trying to recruit another five-star safety in this draft class. One of them is going to have to sit on the bench for most of the snaps. Like, what are you... Like, I don't understand. Like, how are you so good at recruiting? I mean, it's money. But how are you so good at recruiting? I don't I, I think I think most what it comes down to is players simply, at that point, they don't care if they actually end up sitting on the bench or if they end up getting playing time. It's just what comes with being a Crimson Tide for those type of guys. That's a great point, actually, talking about this USC team, right? So Matt Leiner was the quarterback, got drafted in the first round the next year. Um, Mark Sanchez was his backup. Behind Mark Sanchez was Matt Castle. Matt Castle played something like 30 snaps in college. It might even be less than that. He didn't play very much in college whatsoever. But by virtue of Matt Castle being the backup quarterback at USC, He's now parlayed into a decade-long backup career in the NFL that included a couple of starting seasons and, like, $30 million. So, like, just by virtue of being at USC during the most dominant period of USC football, he got an NFL job just by virtue of saying, I'm at USC, which I assume is a lot of, like, the the, the spectacle and grandeur of going to Alabama. Yeah, Didn't and- Cardell Jones play, like, almost no snaps in college before he got drafted? Uh, I, I, oh, you mean, sorry, the, I, for whatever reason I was mistaken. Yo, you're totally right. He played like two games in college. It was they were just third like, round. one of them was like, third round by Buffalo. the championship game. It's, it? There's three games. Cardell Jones is three starts in college where the Big Ten title game versus Wisconsin, where they won 59 to nothing. The National College semifinal against Alabama, where they won 45 to 35, maybe, or 42, 35, something like that. And the national title game against Oregon. I believe it was Oregon and Marcus Mariota's team, I think. Ooh, can you correct me on that one? Whoever they beat in that last game, like that is, those are the three starts that Cardell Jones started in college. He had played before as the backup and shit, but he had nothing like, 
That those are the three games he played in college. That's an absurd stat. Like Riley raises a great point. It's just by virtue of being, hey, you're Ohio State's quarterback. We're going to give you a shot. Plus, these guys all have like sources within like the major programs and stuff too. So they're able to sort of have a picture of what these guys are doing on the practice field and sort of like what their physical, you know, abilities are. I was right. It was Oregon. He just looked it up really quick for me. Yeah. Cardinal Johnson had three games and he won all three of them in college and he became a third or fourth round NFL draft pick with the Buffalo Bills. That's nuts. So let's get back to the game, Affy. Let's do it. All right. So little pregame. Uh, ESPN had actually put out a poll before the game listing the best college football teams of all time. And this USC team before they even won was the number two answer behind uh, behind the '95 Nebraska team? Maybe they're uh, sorry, they're number three behind the '95 Nebraska team and the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. USC that? Yeah. Wow. Before they even won this, like they were they were that highly thought of is this USC team. So it let's just like obviously Texas is a good team, but it would be an upset for USC to not have uh, to won this game, which you'll find out soon. Um, so the first quarter happens. It actually starts off fairly, uh, fairly like simple. Texas fumbles, the USC scores with a touchdown by Lendale White, and bingo, seven nothing end of the first quarter. Second quarter, we start to get a little more interesting. All right, so there's a very famous play. Reggie Bush uh, has the ball on like a really nice drive for uh, for USC, and he goes to lateral to a teammate. And he laterals the ball, but his teammate's not looking because I, Reggie Bush, I guess, was just trying to, like, he was trying to live up to his Heisman name, I guess. He just won the Heisman three weeks beforehand. And I don't know, he was just trying to do too much. It wasn't the smartest play, but he lateraled it to his teammate and nobody fell on top of it until somebody in Burnt Orange did. And Texas recovers. But here's a little snafu, and this is going to come back into play in a couple of minutes, okay? He actually laterals it forward. So his momentum, he throws it behind himself, but the point of which where he threw it and where the ball lands is actually technically a forward pass. And because of that, when the ball hits the ground, it's an illegal forward pass and there'd be a flag and a penalty on USC, but the ball should go back to USC as well instead of being a fumble for Texas. Um, This was reviewed but not anything that happened out of it and Texas ended up scoring off of it so there's at least a six point swing um there was uh another in the same quarter and this is the same story and why this review matters uh Vince Young is now driving the ball to give Texas their first lead of the day and makes a pass or makes a run I should say to the 12 yard line of USC And he goes to lateral the ball to a teammate. This time his teammate catches it and runs into the end zone. Touchdown, right? Wrong. Vince Young, his knee was on the ground. And they took, I think, five or six minutes to review this. Um, Or they needed five or six minutes to review this. But they didn't get it because the equipment was broken. And nobody had buzzed down in time to stop the play from happening. And... There's rumors that like they couldn't review the Reggie Bush pass because of the broken equipment. So this this theoretical broken equipment problem, which the NCAA came out and said afterwards only about the Vince Young lateral, ended up costing USC twice in the second quarter. Now USC is going into the locker room down points. Um, down 16-10, I should say. Question. Yes, answer. Uh, so for the Reggie Bush one with the illegal forward lateral, yes, couldn't they just decline the penalty and accept the fumble? Because this isn't like a, a legal forward lateral 
technically a fumble. No, but like the second the ball hits the ground, the play is dead. It's like a regular pass, right? Even though it's an illegal forward pass, it's like a regular forward pass. You could run 20 yards past on a scrimmage, throw the ball over him, and it lands in front of no one. The play is done. It's uh, if there's like an intentional throwing motion? Well, yeah. He, oh, okay. he clearly Sweet. threw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah did not know. Continue. Um, so yeah, the with this is again a couple of things that have just swung the score at halftime in Texas' favor. USC comes, you know, back into the game because they're USC and they take a one point lead going into the third quarter or into the fourth quarter, I should say. Um, and the fourth quarter is like I don't know. There's a very famous like you always see people. I don't know. You ever see these people Afi, where it's fourth quarter and all these linemen, these giant dudes, hold up four fingers and start walking around like they're fucking Frankenstein on the sidelines. <laughs> this was this was every player in that game, and you hear Brent Musburger on commentary talking about uh, this is where legends are made. And he's probably scouting some like 19 year old blonde chick in the audience somewhere. Who knows? Um, so. I aforementioned the Texas lineup is not as offensively talented as USC's lineup. Vince Young is fantastic, and Jamal Charles had been a great freshman. I believe he was at least he was at least offensive freshman of the year in the Big Twelve. He might have actually been total freshman of the year in the Big Twelve. Don't quote me on that. Um, but Jamal Charles, who we all know has a fantasy running back god in the NFL, is leading his team in offense, other than anybody except for Vince Young. And he actually coughs up the football. However, in another decision that goes against USC in this game, and like, cool, I actually like USC as a team. Like, I they're probably like my West Coast team. I don't know. I kind of like USC, but it, it was just it goes without saying that in this game they had no luck. Uh, Texas fumbled the ball four times in this game. And USC only recovered one of them, which is again uncanny. Um, Jamal Charles's fumble is actually ruled an incomplete pass. On the same drive, Vince Young fumbles the ball but gets it back. It just actually ends up resulting in a field goal. Um, so after this field goal, it's now 31-26 USC. USC goes right back down the field in their possession, and they score a touchdown. So now it's a 12-point game with like seven minutes left to play. Uh, and you think it's a wrap, right? You think USC has done their job. It's a two-possession game. Uh, Do you think it was done watching it? <sighs> To be honest, I wasn't well-versed enough in college football to know that this was a juggernaut USC team. Obviously, I knew they were good, and I knew who Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush and Lendale White were, but I also knew Vince Young was good, and yeah. I didn't really, I guess, get the gravitas of a 34-game win streak and a three-peat in national championships. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm only asking because watching college football nowadays, I know that... It's never six, over, yeah. six minutes left, a 12-point lead is nothing, you know? yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of college football is the clock stops after first downs. Like there's a, there's just a, it's really easy to score points in college football. No matter how good a defense is, there's always a player or two players or half the team on defense who aren't going to play anywhere pro, right? Yeah. Like even on the best team, even on Alabama's defense, they still have a couple of guys who aren't pros on Sunday. Most of their guys, even on the best teams. Oh no, for sure. But like, uh, yeah, like it's just there's always a guy like cool you might have a great college team it doesn't mean there's not space or errors happening that you wouldn't see in the nfl well no that's the thing uh college football is is sort of the sport where one dynamic athlete particularly at the quarterback position has the ability to just take a game over regardless of scheme regardless of opposing talent because there's there are always spots on the defense where there's like a giant talent mismatch between them and the opposing player it's why you see like Alabama give up 40 to Johnny Manziel because Johnny Manziel is like one of the best 
college football quarterbacks in the past 20 years, and they just couldn't hang with them. No, and especially the game in Alabama where he beat them is like a legendary thing, but it's just like Alabama is so good, but somebody who, I don't know, you, ever, you see the meme where it's like they're playing 4D chess? Like, yeah, there are certain quarterbacks, and like Deshaun Watson was playing 4D chess in college, and he has a win over Bama. And like Bama is the measuring stick. It's a It's a difficult thing to like understand if you're not a huge college football fan how good Bama is. It's not like getting a regular season win over, say, Golden State uh, or the Patriots or something, because those happen all the time. It's like getting a regular season win over, I don't know, it's like beating Stone Cold Steve Austin clean or Hulk Hogan clean during their like runs at the top of WWE. Would you say that's fair, Riley? I mean, yeah. I'm I, here's the thing. I'm kind of the, the the funny thing is I'm I'm trying to find a legitimate sport that um that that sort of like has that kind of parallel. But Would you, the, Roger Federer losing before the quarterfinals, it'd be like uh, Carlton losing a regular season game. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Carlton's lost what three, four regular season games in the last. Sorry, Carlton basketball. Carlton men's basketball team actually had an article written about them on the Ringer.com recently, and they have like four or five regular season losses in the last decade. Yeah, which to be fair was actually like. A hack off of an article that they wrote about them on uh, uh, Grantland like seven years ago. Yeah, I thought that was, was hilarious. Updated. I like. I also knew that. That's funny. That like. Yeah, yeah. I I I've read both articles. I just see. I just see like Bill Sims at his desk somewhere, and they're like, "Man, what are we gonna write about this week? Man. Let's go on Grantland and see what's uh, in the no, And then they look up. Is, is Dave Smart still winning games? <laughs> I guess we could do the Carlton Carlton piece again. Hey, for American audience, which is what that is, they don't know who the fuck Carlton is. Even though Carlton would fuck up Duke. Okay, they would, okay let's calm down. <laughs> let's calm down. All right, okay. Let's back calm to, down. Who's, who's going to guard Zion? Back to college football. Um, so Vince Young, again, he's Vince. Texas has the ball, and Vince Young is not letting anyone else touch this football. He uh, he throws and passes for the entire drive. Nobody, No handoffs, nothing. He ends up scampering for a 17-yard touchdown. And Texas is down five, which is the scoreline that everybody knows for the most famous play coming up here. Um, USC's defense had actually turned it on too. Uh, however, there is a fourth down at there's fourth down near midfield. Okay, USC, go ahead, Afi. Oh boy, I just want to say the king of questionable play calling comes straight again. Pete Carroll is fantastic when you have Lendale White who has been, like, your battering ram, you think you're going to get a yard and a half. I agree. You, you, He ran the ball, but he attempted to run the ball at the middle, which is behind one of the best centers in the NFL, let alone in college, with a giant offensive line. Even though Texas had a giant offensive line, or a giant defensive line, like, they had been moving the ball fine throughout the game. Reggie Bush was, like, not as good as Lendale White. People were saying, why don't you give the ball to your Heisman winner here? Cool. Reggie Bush, especially in short yardages, that's where you go to your beast like, yeah, guy. Yeah. You go to Landell over Reggie, but I'll tell you something. I I don't I don't have an issue with the with Pete Carroll going with that play call, simply because there is about two minutes left here, and you have a chance to put the game away. Put it in your own hands. You don't want to give the ball back to Vince Young, and watch him march down the field for a for win. sure. But I guess the thought process is this: Lendale White gets a fir- on third down. Lendale White gets a first down. Fumbles the ball backward. Steve Smith recovers it, but Lendale White doesn't get the first down because the play didn't end beyond the marker and he wasn't like tackled or anything, right? So he's like, cool, we just got it. We need a yard. 
Let's give it to Lendale again. He's going to bust through. Nope. Stopped short. Now Texas needs to go about 54 yards to be able to, to win this game. And you have the Heisman runner-up, Vince Young, pissed off he didn't win the Heisman, Houston high school legend, Texas state football legend, and you have one of the most famous calls, and I've fucked this up at least twice. It wasn't Musburger. I don't, for whatever reason, I hear Musburger in my head, but it's actually the late Keith Jackson making this call. Uh, and, hey, we're going to roll the tape. Take it away, Keith. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. And with that, the University of Texas gives the USC Trojans their first loss in 35 games. Um, So the ramifications of this game are more far-reaching for the players than the schools involved. Okay, So USC has their scandal. Pete Carroll abandoned ship, goes to the Seattle Seahawks when he sees that scandal coming down. Uh, it was a couple of years later on. Obviously, he led them with Mark Sanchez. But when the Reggie Bush shit came out, Pete Carroll jumped to the NFL. Um, Matt Leinert ended up going in the first round and not being a good quarterback. Which did that surprise you at all, Afi? Were you expecting Leinart, who was the best quarterback in college for a long time? Um, not really, because I don't know. I just feel like the the great college quarterbacks just don't end up being that good in in the pros, and the ones that are whatever end up being the actual good ones. You know, like like if you look at the history of quarterbacks that have done amazing that are like first round draft yeah there just hasn't been that many that came out and shocked the world and actually um killed it after destroying and doing that and i don't know if i agree with that if you think about it starting quarterbacks in the league right now who are first round draft picks aaron Rodgers, big ben philip rivers eli matt ryan matt stafford um deshaun watson uh, fucking Baker Mayfield, who's a rookie and too early to tell. Um, but like, I, for, okay, let's let's eliminate all the guys who just started this year. So you're taking off like five teams. I'm already at eight out of twenty-seven. Our first round draft picks. Yeah, I guess. It's just uh, I'm I'm more thinking of like, like the guys that like won a Heisman, like the Vince Youngs, the Johnny Manziel's. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense when you talk like. It's because the college game has historically been so different from the NFL, right? Yeah. So only recently has the college type of offensive game translated to the NFL. But when you look at somebody like Vince Young, Vince Young's huge, right? Vince Young was super athletic. Vince Young is... Vince Young is like the model of what you would expect out of a huge athletic quarterback in the NFL. And yet the Tennessee Titans really never... Gave him the time of day after he got hurt that one season, right? Yeah. So really quickly, Vince Young had a good rookie season. Uh, led his Titans to an overtime win after like a 55-yard run in Houston uh, in his hometown. And the crowd was going wild cheering for Vince Young over their Houston Texans because Vince Young, again, is loved in Houston. I think Vince Young's actually on the flag of Houston, Texas. Like if you go to their city hall, I think it's a picture of Vince Young's face. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a legend there, you know. Like even even now that he's he's retired and everything, and he he still he still keeps in touch with. Uh, I mean, I think he still lives in Houston. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Like he, yeah. Um, but yeah, then he got hurt, and they ended up going like 13 and three with his backup, and they just 
didn't give him a fair shot, which is not very like, I don't know what else you can expect to have happened when your backup goes 13 and three and you want a big contract, but that's neither here nor there. Reggie Bush had a fine NFL career, but he didn't really live up to being Reggie Bush, right? Yeah. I think the person out of this game who became the biggest and most successful pro player is clearly Jamal Charles. He he had an unbelievable career. I mean, no, and for sure. Did you did you believe like watching him back then? Because yes, he was overshadowed by by Vince Young that year. Um I'm not sure how long he lasted in college. Played three years. Uh do you think seeing him play, did you believe that he'd have a big college a big NFL career? If I'm being totally honest, I just like or did you just think he was somebody else? I thought he was like, just a standard, yeah. would be a regular running back in the NFL. Like, I think he ended up being a second or a third round draft pick, which is like at that time, not as high for a running back as you would expect your like starters to go. This is still a time where running backs were being drafted all throughout the first round. But the knock on Charles was usually like his, his size versus his fleet footedness, right? He was a smaller back, but he wasn't like 4 3 40 time quick. So they're like, okay, he's a power back, but he's a little undersized to be a power back. And then he just took off for years in the NFL, being one of the stars of uh, of some pretty mild-mannered KC teams. He was like the lock that made Alex Smith be able to throw short passes because you had to pick up Charles. Yeah. Um, this was uh, one of Mac Brown's last successful seasons. In uh, wow, Riley is just correcting me. No way, really. Jamal Charles is one of the fastest running backs in the league. You don't be successful when you're that small if you don't run 4'3". Okay. In Madden, his speed rating is never that big. It's called nerfing, son. Okay. We have never... We talk about Madden ratings on here way more than I'd like to admit. For the record, uh, Jamal Charles ran a 4.36. Okay. His Madden speed rating is never in the 90s. Fine. Nobody wants to talk about this. People I don't just, want to talk about Madden. <laughs> what you you said it was never in the nineties? Yeah, yeah. It might have been like ninety, but like it's never like a top end speed guy. And I think a four three six is being a top end speed running back. Pull my drink, son. Uh Riley's gonna look this up, I think. Fuck me. I'm gonna be proven so wrong here. I'm happy that Riley's got big facts out right now. I feel like you didn't play with Jamal Charles enough and you're just talking out of your ass. I don't think so. I mean, like maybe I didn't play with Jamal Charles enough, but like when I think of like the great Madden speed backs like Chris Johnson. I don't recall Jamal Charles being in that range. Yeah. Now I have two people around me surfing up Madden ratings for Jamal Charles. I mean, I have to look at it. I just I just love it when Riley proves you wrong. I don't know. Uh, all right. Um, for the teams involved, this is not the last great Texas hurrah because, like I said, through two years later, Colt McCoy lost to Alabama in the title game. Not Colt McCoy. Texas lost because Colt McCoy got hurt. And for USC, this actually was their last national championship. Those sanctions really hurt them at the turn of the decade. They looked like they had something with Sam Darnold last year, but he never, uh, while he has a great prospects on Sunday, and I still believe Sam Darnold never led them to more than that Rose Bowl win against Penn State. They haven't found a successful coach since they let Pete Carroll go. Um, the programs themselves have been, they not that they've, sucked but they most certainly have not been the quality of number one number two both teams undefeated um and as for like college football itself i think it helped a lot to have one of the other greatest bowl games of all time on the very next year you should play madden 13 ever probably not actually what's the speed rating i'm fucking 97 no 
okay, well, is that his highest? Or did you just pick a random year? I, I, I picked a year where I thought that he was he probably was still in his yeah, prime. Okay, fair. And he had a nice little uh, 97 speed action. Jesus. I've, Adrian man. Peterson only had 96. No big deal. That's fine. Adrian Peterson's not a speed back, though. Adrian Peterson ran 4 4 flat at 220 pounds. Yeah. No big deal. He was a speed back. I guess maybe my vision's clouded on both of them because of how their careers ended. I don't know. I feel like I like I feel like Jamal like okay, I Jamal Charles was my fantasy football keeper for like four years. And every time I could I watch a lot of Chiefs games because we should probably move on because Afi's like falling asleep beside you. I'm just saying, I watched a lot of Chiefs games, Jamal Charles, and like he didn't his speed was never what got him to the house. It was usually his vision and his cutting and his power. I definitely believe it was his power. Like just watching Jamal Charles throughout my life Jesus that's I have nothing to say about that um, it is I feel like he's stronger than most guys so you tend to overlook his speed which is most likely what happened I think he's stronger than most guys his size like you don't see too many guys like him who are like 190 pounds that run between the tackles I mean maybe like a Christian McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey's not as fast as Jamal Charles was but I, I still thought of him as like primarily like a speed back Caught a lot of passes because he like he played it you know for like especially when Andy Reid was there, uh, when he was coaching him at the Chiefs, they ran tons of screen passes and stuff. All right, I uh, I think that this conversation has now just gotten off the rails because I fucked up. So apologies to everybody who is really anxious to hear about how much mad knowledge I don't have apparently. Um, but it's about that time in the podcast where I shift attention away from myself and project it onto my partner over here to say something ridiculous. Afi, you know what time it is. I always say ridiculous shit, even if when, when I don't mean to do it. So I was speaking to Riley earlier, and we were talking about the Raptors beatdown of the Warriors earlier this week. Uh, Raptors beat them without Kawhi Leonard and without JV. I'm not sure if JV even played or if he left the game early. He left the game in the first quarter. Yeah, so... Draymond so, swatted him and didn't get called for a foul. So that was, that was two of our better players that barely played at all or didn't even play and i thought it was an impressive win i thought it showed a lot of character from the raptors and riley kept saying that warriors are not full strength yet warriors this warriors that my point is the marcus cousins is coming back from an achilles injury i don't know how many players in the history of nba have come back from an achilles injuries and have been able to perform at the level they've been performing with that being said I'm sitting here today telling each and every single one of you guys listening to this podcast right now that upon DeMarcus Cousins' return with the Warriors, they will not get better. They will actually be worse. And yes, Warriors' uh, problems right now are going to get fixed and they'll be a better team down the line. But that won't be due to DeMarcus Cousins coming back. It'll just be something where the guys are going to start clicking again and shots are going to start falling again. So your hot take is DeMarcus Cousins will make them worse, but then they'll figure it out. No, but like, okay, first, you don't expect Warriors to stay bad all year long. But what I'm saying is don't don't use DeMarcus Cousins' return as a reason that they'll be playing better because that's bound to happen at some point. But DeMarcus Cousins' comeback will not lead them to the NBA Finals, a.k.a. Warriors aren't making the NBA Finals this year. Haven't you used that as your hot take already? I don't know. Yeah, that, yes. That, but this he's not using it as his hot take. He's just adding it on, reminding everyone that the Warriors are not going to the finals. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are, but um, 
Was that my hot take that the Lakers are? No, but I'm oh. just assuming. I I just well, psychological yeah, well, progression between OKC's up there. Yeah, but do they have the greatest player on the planet? I mean, that's Kawhi Leonard, so he's in. Canada. You need to shut <laughs> your fucking. <laughs> that- Every Dirty time we mouth. have a hot take, Afi has his hot take. That was your hot and take. And then has his... That re- was your hot he take. He, like, warms up the oven and then <laughs> sticks his head in for the hot take. Kawhi Leonard, the best player on earth? Yeah. You need to stop it <laughs> right now, sir. Have you guys not been watching the NBA season? Yeah, I've been watching it enough to know he's not even the best player in his conference. What? Who's better in the East? Uh, Joel Embiid. Oh, you're no, good. I would have accepted Giannis. I would have Giannis. Said Giannis, I I take Giannis too, frankly. Look, look I think no, Ka- Kawhi will probably guys, get the more. Guys, the best player in the world is obviously LeBron James. Oh man, but Kawhi's right there. Why'd you back off of it? Because because uh, LeBron's a Laker now. I have to love him. Yeah, and here's the crazy thing: is like uh, like I I remember it was Max Kellerman who said, you know, noted basketball expert Max Kellerman said that he thought that healthy Kawhi was a better basketball player than Kevin Durant and was the second best player in the world. What about uh, noted football expert Stephen A. Smith giving his thoughts on football this week? Yeah, that didn't go so well for him. Uh, check it out on YouTube. Kind of like Anyways, me and Madden. Back, back, back on the hot take since Afi backed off of, of something that was just like steamy and frothing. Um, look, obviously they're going to get better because Steph's going to get his legs under him. And Steph is actually sort of like the engine that makes the team run. That's I believe part of the reason that they've been so bad while he's been out is because he's sort of like the central piece in terms of the the point guard, the primary ball handler, and sort of that like nuclear 35-foot just shoot off the dribble and drain 40% of those shots weapon, right? Like nobody else in the team, but much less, you know, the NBA even can do that. But I don't think just like, look, worst case scenario, if Boogie doesn't make the team better, they just don't play him, Right. It's not like they put a lot of money into him. They they signed him for like the five like the, mil, the yeah mil. like the the mid level exception right. So five point four million dollars. I don't think that there's any downside to him. And the upside is that he becomes this like nuclear bomb in the post where they're not if they're not shooting well they just dump it down to him and he can make plays. His game's never really been predicated that much on athleticism. It's it's largely predicated on on fundamental technique and basketball IQ. But here's the thing, like it's funny. Never in my life did I think that I would say the sentence that Boogie Cousins is going to improve team chemistry. Anywhere. (laughs) Ever. I didn't think it was going to happen. I know where this is going, and that's hilarious. But they need something different that's going to diffuse whatever is going on out there right now. Because obviously the issues between Draymond and Kem Durant are problematic. You know, it's it's having an effect on their locker room culture, and and that's translating onto the floor i just think that like you know sometimes uh sometimes yeah you just need to drop a little nuclear bomb in the middle of everything and uh it can change stuff up and sometimes you'll get weird superpowers or a third leg <laughs> a third leg uh afi any closing sentence? shout out g-reg i agree to disagree so that's that well afi is tired there you can tell that's, afi has about two hours of sleep right now so he's dying so uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's roll the tape. I should do it one more time. On where are we on, Afi? Grandstand Central Podcast Network. I hate you. Thank you for impersonating my voice. <laughs> so, all right, everybody, you, have you, a good you night. Stole, you stole my role at the beginning of the shots. <laughs> yeah. All right, have a good night, everybody. We'll see ya.